Is that you, Jeremy? Yeah, I got breakfast. I'll leave it on the bureau, will you? I sure will. After a stretch here, I'd be able to get a job at the Ritz. There, at least I get a tip. Why, does Mr. Johnson pay you very much? He pays me too much. I think the guy's short a few nuts and bolts. Would it be out of line for me to ask you just how much he does pay you? Nothing you could do would be out of line, baby. He pays me 300 a week. What in the world for? Most anything. Such as? Such as making sure nobody goes near the cellar and such as changing little gold ingots he gives me into U.S. money. What do you do, kid? I'm here to keep Mr. Johnson healthy. I'm already healthy. What time do you get off work? I'm not here to keep you happy, Jeremy. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Futus of War. Resistance is futile. Drink flows from the force, but beware of the dark side. Iron oh, Man, that's kind of catchy. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is a uh, reach call. You're listening to Trex and Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest, and you are listening to Trex in Sci-Fi. This is episode 831 for Sunday, August 29th, 2021. I'm back this week with another classic science fiction movie. Today's movie is from director Roger Corman, the king of the B-movies. It's the cult classic, Not of This Earth, starring Paul Birch, Beverly Garland, and Morgan Jones. Before I get into today's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoyed. With that said, I'm going to play the trailer to Not of This Earth. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll be back after the trailer with some movie information, and then we'll get into today's movie. This killer is a fiend of the most diabolical kind. Thirteen. Maybe more. He's looking for only one thing. Blood. Human victims for human blood. Experiment in horror to satisfy a desperate need never before known. A need that was not of this earth.
From outer space he came to destroy the people of this planet, leaving in his path of doom a trail of terror. He's going to kill me! Stay there, I'm on my way. I can't stay. I... Not of This Earth is a 1957 American science fiction movie produced and directed by Roger Corman, starring Paul Birch, Beverly Garland, and Morgan Jones. The screenplay was written by Charles B. Griffin and Mark Hanna. The score was composed by Ron Stein. Not of This Earth was released February 10, 1957 and has a running time of 67 minutes. And here's the cast, starting at the top. Paul Birch as Paul Johnson. Beverly Garland as Nadine Story. Morgan Jones as Harry Shearborn. William Rorick as Dr. Rochelle. Jonathan Hoyt as Jeremy Perrin. Roy Engel is the desk sergeant. Dick Miller is the vacuum cleaner salesman. And Anna Lee Carroll is the Davana woman. That's all I have for movie for information. Let's get into today's movie. So today's movie starts with a strange man murdering a young girl and then draining her body of her blood. My first clip is today. With This clip is where we meet Nurse Nadine, Dr. Rochelle, and the strange Mr. Johnson. Mr. Johnson has come to Dr. Rochelle's office for a blood transfusion. Hello. Do you have an appointment? I see. Mr. Paul Johnson for 10 o'clock. That'll be for a blood test. No test. I beg your pardon? No test. Transfusion. Well, don't tell me a big man like you was afraid of a little needle. I have no fear. I came for a transfusion of blood. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Johnson, but you have to have a blood test. We don't hand out blood like gasoline, you know. We have to find out whether you need ethyl or regular. Well, you, uh, you sit over there. The doctor will be with you in a moment. There's some magazines there if you care to look at them. Dr. Cavanaugh wanted in pathology. Dr. Cavanaugh wanted in pathology. Oh, doctor, this is Mr. Johnson. He's here for an immediate transfusion. I see. Well, Mr. Johnson, we'll look you over right away. Nadine, will you take him into the lab and run his tag? Oh, no, he's having a fast pine on the fly. No test. Would you come inside, please? Sit down, won't you? Now, Mr. Johnson, why don't you want a blood test? I choose not to reveal a reason. Oh, I see. Well, then I suggest you try another doctor. You have no blood here? Yes, we have blood. But there isn't a doctor on Earth who'll transfuse blood without first learning the patient's type, RH factor, and other peculiarities. The wrong kind would probably kill you. I must have blood. I'm dying. I am type O. I'm sorry, but I can't take your word for any of those facts. Get away from that. Observe. No bleeding. It will bleed in some moments. 
but then thinly and sporadically. Have you been to see another doctor? None that you know. A hematologist? Blood doctor? Will you give me the transfusion? Not unless you submit to a test. Then without a specimen of my blood for study, it is impossible. Impossible. You will test. Then you will know and you will prescribe. You may study it in all the ways of your kind and you may learn, but you may not speak. You will not, you cannot transmit to any other being your knowledge of my tragedy. <clears throat> I've had a terrible headache. I am ready for your test. Well, I'm glad you changed your mind. Uh, take off your coat. In my next clip, uh, Mr. Johnson wants to hire Nadine to be his personal nurse. There, that should do it. How long have you been a nurse? I graduated seven years ago. You are a good one. <laughs> That's no question to be asking a nurse. You relax now, I'll be right back. Wait. Do you work always in hospitals, or may you treat private cases? Well, I special occasionally. That is good. I would like you to work for me. Oh, you would. Doing what? Preserving my health. Seeing to it that I do not expire. Mr. Johnson, no one in this wide world can guarantee life. Nor in any other, I fear. No, I suppose not. What monies do you receive for the work of your profession? Mr. Johnson, that's a very personal question. It is. If you will serve me, I shall pay you $200 each week. Let me tell you something, sir. No nurse would dream of getting $200 a week. Well, it's ridiculous. Besides, it has the sound of something very unethical. Would it still be unethical if Dr. Rochelle asked you to serve me? Well, if Dr. Rochelle assigned me to your case, I'd take it. I see. Would you ask the doctor to come to me? <laughs> yes, Mr. Johnson. In our next clip, um, Nurse Nadine meets Jeremy, who's the butler of Mr. Johnson, and she moves into his house. I'm sorry I'm late, Mr. Johnson, but I had to clean up my desk at the hospital. Do not excuse yourself. Come, I will show you to your room. All right. Jeremy and I are alone here, Miss Story. You're the first person who's been in my house. we only been here a month. Jeremy, it is time that you saw that all the outside entrances are secure. Right, boss. Bring Miss Story's bag upstairs. Your room is upstairs, Miss Story. You have a lovely house here, Mr. Johnson. It is adequate, Miss Story. Here you will sleep. I've received blood this day. You will have no further duties until tomorrow. Then I'll say good night, Mr. Johnson. Mr. Johnson! Yes, Miss Story? You locked my door. I did, yes. Why? You do not wish it? But my door's gonna be locked. I'd I'd like to do my own locking. In the place from which I come, no person would dare sleep in insecure quarters. Just where do you come from? I believe your expression was, good night, Miss Story. Yes. Good night, Mr. Johnson. In my next clip, we see Mr. Johnson, and he's in his living room, and he's talking to um, the leader on the planet, Davana. And he receives his instructions. Time narrows. There is death upon Devana. 
savanna must endure. Speak of the earth creatures. They are second stage, subhuman, weak and full of fright. Speak of their blood. It may be as ours. I have sent to you 30 cubits for study. There must be more. The conquered enemies dwindle in the pens of pasture and time constricts. It is soon that we shall all perish. Perhaps the blood of this planet shall answer. Your mission upon this globe is to be accomplished in five out of six phases. In the first, you will study all characteristics of the Earth's subhumans. Phase one is study. In the second phase, you shall increase the quantity of Earth blood, which you are transmitting to Devanna. Phase two is more Earth blood. For phase three, we must have a live specimen, a subhuman to be used in vivisectory research. Phase three is a live specimen. You are phase four, in which Earth blood value will be determined by your survival or your death. Phase four is my life or death. If Earth blood preserves your life, Phase five will be the conquest, subjugation, and pasturing of the Earth subhumans upon your order. Phase five is conquest, subjugation, and pasturing if I live. Phase six will be the utter obliteration of this planet by your order, dependent upon the anticipated failure of your experiment. Phase six is destruction of this planet if I am to die. Phase six concludes the instructions. Phase six conclude. I am returning. In my next clip, Nadine decides to give Mr. Johnson his treatment and then tries out the pool. Johnson, you strike me as a very healthy man. I am pleased. Perhaps your treatments will prevent my predicted death. For a man who thinks he's going to die, you seem to be pretty casual about it. How can one not be casual? Death is not a remarkable thing. No, but it's not exactly something one looks forward to with giddy anticipation. That is true. Nor with undue dread. You have no further duties until this evening, so you may do as you like with your time until then. Thanks. I think I'll try that pool of yours. In the next clip, Mr. Johnson uh, goes to the front door to answer the door, and it's a vacuum cleaner salesman, and he wants to show him his wares, but Mr. Johnson has other plans for him in the cellar. Morning. I represent the Airway Vacuum Cleaning Company. You the gentleman of the house? This is my house. Crazy. I'd like to show you the product. You wish that I purchase your machine. I don't want you to purchase, mister. I just want to give you a free demonstration. You want to purchase, you purchase. You don't want to purchase, you don't purchase. I ain't going to force you to purchase. Now, this is one of our standard attachments. We'll clean any rug you got in the house, no matter how deep the pile or how delicate the fabric. Ain't that something? I do not wish to purchase. Hey, let me finish, will you? This, as they say in the vernacular, is the darling of the vacuum cleaning world. You ever trouble with stopped up pipes or drains like in a kitchen or a cellar? Or with this little baby, your problem is over. See, it goes right into the pipe. No persistence. Leave my house. Shit. Give me a chance, will you? It's just a demonstration. You see this little baby at work in your own cellar, you turn flip-flops. No flip-flops. No flip-flops. Look, buddy, let me have five minutes of your time in your own cellar. I'll prove to you that this little baby can do what no other vacuum cleaner in the world can do. In my cellar? That's right. Take only five minutes. Come right in, young man. I shall be glad to see your machine in operation. A word to the wise, stay out of cellars. So for my next clip, Mr. Johnson and Jeremy are driving down the road, and they come across three hobos. Jeremy. 
I've ordered you not to sound the warning horn or make any high decibel noises while near me. Sorry, boss. The jerk cut me off. Jeremy, who are those gentlemen? Those aren't gentlemen. Those are bums. Bums? Those characters have hit the bottom of the barrel. They live from one day to the next just for a shot of cheap hooch. They're unfortunate. Unfortunate? They're happy. Give them a little wine or a bottle of hair tonic and they're tickled pink. Phase two. What'd you say, boss? Nothing. Uh, Jeremy, I want you to invite one, no, three of those gentlemen to dinner tonight. Dinner? Are you kidding? Tonight, Jeremy. You'll proceed to the library. Well, anything you say. In my next clip, Dr. Rochelle comes to Mr. Johnson's home to talk about his rare blood condition. I assume, Doctor, you have further scrutinized my blood? I certainly have, Mr. Johnson. And there are many questions I'd like to ask you. That desire is predictable. How many answers you receive, however, is not predictable. Have you spoken to anyone of this? No, I, I feel it best to keep it an absolute secret. An excellent feeling, Doctor. Can you tell me anything that I do not know? I can tell you this. Your blood is different from any I've ever studied in my entire career. In what way? In the first place, no man on earth should be able to live with such a low count of red corpuscles as you have. Continue. In the second place, your blood's behaving in an impossible manner. The agglutinin's breaking down, destroying the basic structure of the blood itself. The result is is evaporated blood. Well, that's an oversimplification. Blood within the veins couldn't possibly evaporate. The more precise term would be... Evaporation as a term will suffice, Doctor. Have you found a cause? Not yet. But you think you will? I may. I'm already neglecting my other work to devote all my time to this problem. God forbid such a dreadful new plague should strike the earth. Yes. God forbid. You seem already aware of what's happening to you. I am aware, Doctor. If a cure is not soon forthcoming, the blood of my body will turn to dust and I will die. As a doctor, it's my job to try to cheer up the patient. That is an infantile attitude, Doctor. Continue your studies and return to me again when you have learned more. As perhaps I shall learn something soon, I feel that time is the great element in this case. Time is indeed the only element, Doctor. My next clip is a Harry and Nadine moment. Why would anyone want to be a cop? Or a nurse. <laughs> there must be something about helping people that gets into characters like us. Couldn't be the money. Or the hours. Do you like this job you're on? Yeah, it's different. They all are, but this one's especially interesting. Johnson's some kind of a foreigner, isn't he? He's got a dialect, but I can't place it. I have to ask him. He sure is a cold one. He's cold and odd and brilliant. He has a fantastically powerful mind, and yet he seems unaware of the simplest things. Like how to park a car. Why does he wear those glasses? I don't know. Can't discuss my patient's condition, you know. I'm interested in the condition of a certain nurse. Don't worry about me. Did you ever try and tangle with a nurse? No, but I've seen a couple of heavyweights take their count when they try. <laughs> There's a few things in our training that might surprise you. You want to bet? I guess this is your house. The next clip takes place at a police station with the, the desk sergeant and Officer Sherborne. 
Um, they're talking about a serial killer that kills like a vampire. That's right. I put crayons on it. Looking for prints. Probably won't find any. Yeah. Yes. Yes, sir. The same neck punctures as on the others. All right, Lieutenant. I'll let you know the minute we hear a thing. The woman was the 12th, wasn't she? 13th. It's a miracle the papers haven't put them all together. I can just see those vampire headlines. Any break in the case yet? Nothing. This killer is a fiend of the most diabolical kind. Interested in only one thing, blood. What can he do with it? He's no idiot. He has an ugly device that burns through the victim's eyes. Burns the brain right in the skull. Then he takes the blood. Thirteen. Maybe more. Missing persons rate's gone up sharply. The Airways Vacuum Cleaner Company has got men out looking for a door-to-door -door salesman. They probably don't want the salesman, they want the cleaner. Oh, don't worry, George, you'll crack it. Crack it? I can't even scratch it. All I can think of is who'll be next. In my next clip, Mr. Johnson is concerned and wants to know if Nadine has any close relatives. He may have plans for her. Have you any close relations in the city, Miss Story? Why? Somebody leave me a million bucks? Merely the curiosity of the patient. Well, I have a 200-pound aunt in Detroit that sends me a box of saltwater candy every Christmas. Are you close to your aunt? She raised me as a child. Every now and then she gets on the phone to have a nice, long, collect chat with me. You may increase the flow of blood this time, Miss Story. Mr. Johnson, for a man who didn't know he had to have a blood test before a transfusion, you seem to know an awful lot about medicine now. I have done some reading. The last three days? Yes. Perhaps you could give me a bit of information that I was unable to discover in my research. What's that? In the uranium method of cancer examination, it is true that the uranium flies to the cancerous area, but the books neglected to give me an explanation. It's true. Nobody knows the reason. Then one assumption may be that since cancer attracts radioactivity, that the cancerous tissue itself may be charged with a negative energy. Possibly that might lead to a cure. What do you think? I'm sure I don't think anything, Mr. Johnson. Now you just, you just lie still until the transfusion is finished. Yes. Very well. In the next clip, Jeremy and Nadine feel something is wrong with Mr. Johnson, and they're having a little discussion about it. Anything else you've noticed about him that's different? I noticed a couple of things in the last two days that look worse than different. Night before last, he had me bring those stumble bums out here to dinner, remember? Yeah, I saw them when I left on my date with Harry. You went out, but they stayed in. What do you mean? After dinner, he sends me out to work on the car. Later, I come back, and he says the bums are gone, but they ain't. Because I was outside all the time and I would have heard him. You mean to tell me that you think that there's still some place in this house? I don't think nothing. But what happened last night was a real dilly. What happened? The boss second stories it in about 2 o'clock in the morning and he has a Chinaman with him. <laughs> yeah, and three pink elephants. Uh-uh, baby, I can see in the dark. He takes a Chinaman into his room and neither one of them comes out. I saw the boss in there this morning and he acted like nothing happened. Well, maybe nothing did. I figure it's my business to think the same thing. Sometimes I get the creeps. Yeah. So do I. Glad to have company. 
You want to snoop around some? Maybe he's making atom bombs down there in the basement. No, I think we're jumping at shadows. Mr. Johnson's a very considerate employer. I will tell you one thing. As his nurse, I think I ought to take this down to the lab and find out what it is Mr. Johnson's putting inside of himself. Instead of... Instead of food. In my next clip, a woman from Davana has come with bad news from home. Why are you here? I escaped. I came through the beam in your dwelling. Penalty for using the dimension warp is immediate dispatch. I had to do it. I had to escape the mob. What has happened? The wars are finished. The blood supply vanishes. The enemy captives have been taken from pasture, killed and their blood removed on the spot. I had to escape or perish. You were justified. You shall not be punished for using the dimension warp, and you may help me to expedite my work here. I shall help you. You are the recorder. I sent a live specimen through the beam with the courier. Was the subhuman satisfactory? The courier is dead, murdered for his blood. The specimen of Earth humanoid arrived in the Divana beam in a compressed state. He was crushed to the size of this communication. Crushed? The department concluded reservedly that it is impossible to transmit a human or subhuman anatomy through the beam from the Earth end. The courier lived because he never left the beam. If the conclusion is correct, you and I will be unable to return to Divana. However, I shall send another specimen this night. If it is correct, we must remain upon this world until we expire. I would prefer the outer planets of this system to the present agony of Divana. That is an emotional statement. It is an emotional time. And if I do not receive blood within four chronoctons of time, I will have no continuing need for emotion. You shall have blood. Nadine and Jeremy, searching through Mr. Johnson's stuff, find his transporter and find out the truth about Mr. Johnson. Harris says he's not a human being. I don't think he's for real, neither. Well, where is he? He put me in a taxi and took off in the car with some queer-looking dame. Well, this gives us a chance to search the house. Come on, let's try the living room. We better make it snappy.
Hello? Nadine? Yes, Doctor. Harry told you about the woman who died here tonight. He said she was like Johnson. This has nothing to do with our patient. The woman seems to lack any visible aperture in her optical tissue. She has a fantastic blood disease in which the agglutinin's disintegrating. Disintegrating? Is that what killed her? No, she died of rabies. What? I've been experimenting with the blood from a rabid dog. Someone injected that same blood into her tonight, at least an hour ago. The impossible part is that she lived through the transfusion. Who would do such a horrible thing? Someone who knew that she needed blood desperately and didn't know what kind of stuff he was pumping into her. I say it was Johnson. Doctor, do you think Mr. Johnson is suffering from the same disease as this woman? I will not discuss Mr. Johnson. Why? About this woman. I think I know the cause and treatment of her disease. You do? Yes. Apparently the victim has lived in an area that's been constantly charged with radioactive material. It was this atmosphere that affected the blood. Where would such an atmosphere be found? In a place where continuous nuclear detonations had taken place over a period of years. An area of all-out nuclear warfare. But there is no such place. Yes, I know, my dear. There's no doubt in my mind that this woman is something other than human. She's an alien. I see. What would be your treatment? First, removal from the toxic atmosphere and then a complete change of blood. Would this cure Mr. Johnson? I'm not speaking of Johnson. But he fits your description. Nadine, please. Dr. Rochelle, does this man have some kind of a power over you? Has he threatened your life or something? Nadine, I, I, I really must hang up. I, I have a great deal of work to do. Look, Dr. Rochelle, I... The doctor is no longer in contact, story. Mr. Johnson. Remain in your room. Run from me, Nadine. I am going to dispatch you. I hear your voice, Mr. Johnson, but I'm not going to open my eyes. Mr. Johnson is on to Nadine, and he's coming. And he's coming after her. Mr. Johnson has mind control over Nadine. She runs, but she can still hear his voice. He finally catches up with her, and hypnotizes her and tells her to go back to the house and get inside the transporter so she can transport herself to Devana. Meanwhile, Harry and his partner are motorcycle cops and they're racing to save Nadine. One of the police officers gets killed and then Mr. Johnson tries to kill the other one, but he turns on his siren, which is too loud for Mr. Johnson, which makes which makes him crash his car, kills himself. And the end of the story is they're at the gravesite of Mr. Johnson, just one gravestone in the graveyard, and they're talking about how he's from another planet. And if you look in the background, there's another guy dressed just like Mr. Johnson, and he's coming forward to take his place. And that's the end of the movie. Now it's time for some movie trivia. Not of This Earth was shot in 10 days for $70,000. Paul Birch walked off the film before shooting was completed after having a physical confrontation with the director, Roger Corman. He was quoted as saying, I'm an actor and I don't need this stuff. To hell with it all. Goodbye. According to co-star Beverly Garland, 
Birch objected to the fast pace of the film, the old-fashioned, uncomfortable, hard plastic contacts he had to wear, and the film's low budget, which he considered beneath his status. As a result, Birch's remaining scenes were shot by Lyle Luttrell, doubling for Birch. One of the bums in the park was played by Hank Mann, one of the original Keystone Cops. At the time this was made, his career had spanned 45 years. Joe Piper, the vacuum cleaner salesman, was written as a brush salesman in an earlier draft of the script. However, Dick Miller ad-libbed all his dialogue as Piper and came up with the ideal of making Piper a vacuum cleaner salesman. Allied Artist Pictures released this film as the bottom half of a double bill with Attack of the Crab Monsters, with the tagline, Terrorama, Double Horror Sensation. Black gaffer's tape was used on the side of the glasses to hide the eyes of the Davana aliens. The briefcase that Mr. Johnson carries, and the Davana transporter and its remote control, as well as the umbrella creature and its larva, were all creations of Paul Blaisdell. There are two remakes of this movie, a 1988 version starring Tracy Lords and a 1995 version starring, starring Michael York. And that's it for movie trivia. Now it's time for the Star Trek Connection. Everybody knows I'm a big Star Trek fan and I try to find a Star Trek connection in every movie or TV show I watch. Today's movie does have one Star Trek connection, and it is Morgan Jones. He plays Harry Shearborn in today's movie. He also played Colonel Jack Nesvig in the second season episode of the original series, Assignment Earth. He was the security guard that questioned Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock at McKinley Rocket Base. And that's all I have for the Star Trek connection. Here are my comments about Not of This Earth. I watched the 2004 DVD release from Shout Factory. It was part of the Roger Corman cult classic triple feature. The DVD comes with Attack of the Crab Tomatoes and War of the Satellites. This DVD comes with tons of bonuses. It comes with a feature called A Salute to Roger Corman with Roger Corman, Peter Fonda, Peter Bogdanovich, Joe Dante, and many more. There's also commentaries on the Attack of the Crab Monsters and Not of This Earth with Tom Weaver, John Burness, and Mike Burness. There's also a Roger Corman trailer collection, including 25 trailers produced and directed by Roger Corman. First of all, this movie runs pretty quick at 67 minutes, so don't blink, you'll miss something. The picture and sound quality are pretty good. I like the story. It's a vampire from outer space movie. The movie is about an alien from the Davana who is a scout to send to Earth to see if the people of Earth will be suitable blood donors. So they're coming to eat us. This is one of the first movies to use this premise. The other two outer space vampire movies I can think of would be Queen of Blood, which I probably should cover one of these days, and Life Force, which I've already covered. I think the actors did a great job. Uh, Paul Birch was great. Uh, he was perfect as an alien, just the way he talked. He talked differently than a normal person. Um, Beverly Garland was great as well. She's the Scream Queen. Yeah, she did a great job. Morgan, Morgan Jones, well, he was just a big lug in the movie. He really didn't do any, anything. They needed a hero, so they got him. But there are two comic standouts that I really liked. 
Jonathan Hoyt and Dick Miller. They were great. Those are that's they were the best part of the movie for me. One of the things that really stuck out in this movie for me was the aliens used transporters. They didn't come in spaceships because, you know, most 1950s aliens come in flying saucers. These guys didn't. This movie was made a year before The Fly, and The Fly was about a transporter accident. And it was nine years before Star Trek. So that's pretty impressive. Overall, this is a pretty good movie. It's a little fast. You got to watch it. But I really, really enjoyed it. On a scale from one to ten, I'll give it a solid seven. And I would recommend it to all science fiction fans. And those are my comments about Not of This Earth. That's it for today's podcast. Before I wrap up this week's podcast, I want to thank Rico again for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoy it. Rico will be back on the podcast next week. I'll end today's podcast with the main title theme to today's movie. I'll be back soon with another classic science fiction movie. Until then, everyone take care. This is M5, signing off.